Hey everybody, this is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a Femme Over 40 and Her Friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. I'm so excited to introduce you to Colin Bedell. Uh, he is Queer Cosmos on Instagram, QueerCosmos.com on the digital world, an amazing astrologer and also teacher, someone I learned from a whole lot on the internet. Um, I do this thing instead of just like following a, a ton of people and just scrolling and letting the algorithm pick what I see on Instagram, I intentionally pick a handful of people that I'm learning from and I go to their page every day and I see what they post and I, I watch their Instagram stories and I, you know, I listen to podcasts, right? Like really just focus on learning from those people rather than just like following a bunch of people. I learn from a specific amount of people who have things that I admire or things that I want or help me improve my life. And Colin helps me improve my life. Like he has this command of astrology and, um, a thirst to learn. Um, and is very into relational dynamics and how we interact with other people. And I'm really into that too. And like truly into like the ways that we can just exist in the world in easier and more fun ways um, and just kind of like live brighter spirits and more in our purpose. I'm also very into the teachings of A Course in Miracles and so is Colin. Uh, This conversation I feel like is just the first of many. Um, We got a little bit into his journey and how he became a full-time astrologer and also he is about to move to LA and I just moved away from LA about a year ago so it's just kind of fun to overlap in this way and to connect and I'm excited for you to join us on the porch together I always if you're new here I always like to envision my conversations with friends on the podcast as porch chats like we're all just hanging out on some wicker furniture cuddled up in our favorite blankets from childhood and just sharing and getting deep Um, And before I get to my conversation with Colin, I would love to just share with you the best way to support this podcast, which is my Patreon page. Patreon is a membership that allows folks like you to support creators like me who create work that nourishes you. Um, I have uh, lots of benefits over there on my Patreon. Starting at two bucks a month, you can join my weekly Zoom aerobics class. My class, Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics, is a -a one-of-a-kind aerobics class. That is uh, for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever felt too fat or been called too much or felt too awkward to dance, this is the supportive class for you. I Minimum participation is just showing up and cheering along. I have a friend who was just telling me uh, that they use my uh, aerobics video as kind of a podcast while they're walking. Um, so in addition to this podcast, so exciting to be part of you know, someone learning from me, right? So it's like using that attention span uh, to learn. Anyway, uh, so Facky Dance Party, it's all up on the Patreon. Uh, for 25 bucks a month, you can do on-demand aerobics with me. And I'm so excited to say that I am partnering with Erica Nix, my friend who is an aerobics instructor. She's very wacky, big personality. Um, and we're going to swap videos. So I'm going to have like little bonus videos in there at that $25 tier, uh, just like more instructors, right? Like more folks to, to help add a little movement to the pot. And I'm going to send her a video for mine, uh, for her membership. So anyway, it's a cool way, right? Like in this economy, um, to be able to just like kind of micro niche subscribe to people. Um, maybe, uh, you don't have a personal trainer anymore. Maybe you have, a an aerobics instructor, right? Like there are lots of ways to interact with self-care. I am delighted to provide options to self-care with you. So patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for fat kid dance party. And I am so grateful for you tuning into this podcast. It's truly a joy to do this podcast. Today was my birthday. Um, I recorded this conversation with Colin yesterday, the day before my birthday. And I have to say, I had a very delightful day. I always, I typically every year uh, that I'm single for the holidays, um, and this has been true pretty much my entire adult life. If I'm single, I have a like little meltdown about it at least once in the holiday season. It can happen on Thanksgiving Day. It used to happen a lot on Thanksgiving Day. It doesn't happen that much anymore. I was actually surprised to find it reared 
its little head this year, uh, but like three or four weeks before my birthday, I was kind of just stressing out because I was like, it was just so much easier when I had a partner and I could sort of count on uh, my partner to follow through and like do stuff for my birthday or kind of all the way. Like she was kind of great at birthday sometimes. Um, and what was really interesting was I was just kind of like, okay, I'm single. And this is like the second, I, I'd had a single uh, birthday before last year. And today was just kind of like a redux of what I did last year. Um, and I, it was great. I had a really good day. I, um, had like a breakfast that I had intentionally set aside time to make. It was a breakfast casserole that I enjoy a great deal. Um, and I made it in my little kitchen, spent like a good hour making like a nice little casserole and then brought it over to my mom's house and enjoyed it over there and just had a lovely visit. And then I went into the forest and did my forest walk for the day and came back to my house and talked to a couple of different friends on zoom and had little dance, uh, birthday parties, uh, with Manda and with Mags and M and, then I, my mom picked me up or then I went to mom's for dinner with mom and Pat and our little quarantine potted, uh, buddies who are friends like family. And we had a lovely dinner and then went to go see lights. Uh, you know, just drove to go look for Christmas lights. It's kind of the best part of having a birthday on Christmas Eve is that everyone <laughs> decorates their house. <laughs> It's so kind. It's like, I, it is truly the most wonderful time of the year. I have to say all of these holiday songs are just hitting me a little bit deeper this year in a year where we can't go see extended family, right? Like I'm so grateful to be quarantine potted with my mom and Pat. It makes it so easy. Um, I never, my cousins, a couple of my cousins live like really close to their parents. And I always kind of thought that was funny. Um, cause I moved away. I literally moved across the country from my mom. So like I've been living far away for a long time. But it's so nice to just literally live down the street and get to have this, like, casual, easy holiday experience. I'm so grateful knowing that, like, so many people don't get to be with their loved ones this year. And I just, like, I really did truly, like, feel into the happiness and joy I have for, like, this specific time to get to spend with these people. Um, and just really thinking through um, those holiday songs and how they really talk about connection. They talk about relationships. They talk about going home and like being with the people you love. And that's to me, like, I think this year gets to teach us what do the holidays mean to us? Like what's the most important part? What are our, our needs and our traditions and what are we missing? Right? Like when you take away the noise of all the holiday hullabaloo, what's the essence, right? And I think I'm thinking a lot, like there's a lot of food in this time in this pandemic time. And, um, especially the holiday stuff. I've just been really thinking about like what makes a delicious holiday side dish. Like why are these dishes? Is it because we always have them or is it because we really like them? Is it because they, we put a little extra emphasis on making them right? Like, um, like just in the process of making that casserole this morning, I just like put a lot of time and emphasis in like how it was made because it was for a special day, which that special day was my birthday. And that's what I wanted to eat. So that's what I did. Um, anyway, I just had a lovely, lovely day. Like, um, nothing. My mom made me a cake. I was so grateful. Um, and it was just chill that nothing, um, I, I, I'm like, why did I even need to have that freak out? Right. But I know I needed to, because I just needed to like release the feelings of grief I had over feelings of powerlessness around like having a partner or not having a partner. Right. Um, and that's just, that's, I mean, that is work I have done and done and done and done. Like there was a beautiful revelation I had, um, a while ago where I was just like, oh, my life is going to be great no matter what, no matter if I have a partner or if I don't. It was right before I actually got together with my last partner of six years. So um, that was a powerful revelation. I'm still standing true and enjoying my life no matter what and no matter what the circumstances. I had a lovely Christmas Eve, lovely birthday. Um, I have so many wonderful notes to get to connect into and, and read from people. I love the way the internet makes our birthdays just get to be like a season of connecting. Um, I'm excited to connect with more people. Um, I've been having these little one-on-one -on -one birthday zooms cause I didn't want to have like a big birthday zoom. I feel like it's just, it's not enough connection for me. I like my favorite part of parties is connecting to people. So I'm like, well, it's kind of like what I do all the time anyway, which is connect with my friends, but it's around my birthday. So we're going to celebrate. And so 
it's been fun to also like take pictures with people and like dance on zoom and, and do what we can in these weird little pandemic times. Um, getting to have a quarantine birthday. I'll tell you back in March when I thought this was only going to be like a 10 week thing. <laughs> I was like, Oh, sucks to be the people who have pandemic birthdays. And then it turns out everyone's having a pandemic birthday this year and it's all okay because we're in this together and life is changing and it's the age of Aquarius. And I'm so excited for you to be calling. This intro was way longer than I intended, but they always are. Anyway, love you all so much. Thanks for being here. Curl up in your favorite coziest childhood blanket and let's meet Colin. Colin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, B. It's an honor to be here. Oh, I'm so obsessed with you. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, you were just like one of these people who arrived in my life during quarantine. Um, I think one of the rare people who is like really getting a lot of traction, honestly, like you, you've gotten some traction this year. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying that. I don't even, maybe, I know. I don't even, <laughs> You're like, I don't pay attention to my analytics. Who cares? I, so where do you say that? I do not. Never, no. never, no. never. Mm-mm. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've had to really work on divesting um right like from like what the numbers say and what do they mean it was the same thing I did with uh my body and weight uh and like giving up on numbers and just being like I'm gonna live the healthiest life I can that is healthy in my in my value system what that means right and figure that out and then whatever the number is is what it is and that's kind of what I do on social media I just present what I know God is calling me to present and I serve who I'm meant to serve and when that gets bigger it's in in the goddess's hands. Oh, <laughs> period. I love it. Now you have such a beautiful way of of simplifying long-winded and complex topics. Wow, thanks. <laughs> Seriously, you do. So anyway. <clears throat> okay, so Colin, let's start with the most important thing. What sure. is your astrological makeup? Oh, okay. So I am, I guess that would be SMR. So that would be, uh, and, and Shakira Tauburn at the S Astrology coined that SMR. I really love that. So yeah. it would be uh, Leo rising, Gemini sun, Capricorn moon. So good. And an actual twin. And an actual Gemini twin. Yes. My twin sister's coming over later when we're done recording. I can't wait to see her. And you were born and raised in Long Island. You better believe it. Was I wearing this sweater when we spoke last time? I might've been. I don't think you were. I would have remembered. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm a Virgo rising. No, you weren't. Relax. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. You bitches remember everything. I love it. It's so good. I started taking a memory vitamin this year, too. So, like, I'm just waiting to be that kind of bitch who just... I, I remember... Here's what. I stopped dating. I stopped going on first dates because I remember too much. Um, so, I remember shit from people who I do not care about and never want to know again because I paid close attention to them on a date. <laughs> Wait, that is irrefutably the most annoyingly Virgo thing I've ever fucking heard. <laughs> like, I took a memory vitamin and then I stopped dating because I remember too much. <laughs> I love it. Wait, what is this memory vitamin for the listeners? And like, this is not a plug or a sponsored post. What it's, is it? I mean, it's literally, I, it is kind of, I mean, it's not a plug. It is, uh, they have to send me a private message. So email me. Back at danceparty at gmail.com. I will talk about your best life through vitamins and supplements because I am yeah. on a journey. You are so fucking Virgo rising, it's out of control now. You're talking about the vitamins and like, and get a probiotic. Every Virgo is telling me about gut health. I'm like, we just met. Do you want to really hear about my stool? Like, we just met. Come on. <laughs> talk about your stool. I'll say that. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not yet. Not yet. Um, I'm also very excited about amplifying my skincare game. I have this year and I was like, I, I was literally, as I was getting ready for our call, I was like thinking, I was like, I'm going to get visibly younger next year. Cause I'm going to up-level my skincare game again. See, let me tell you right now, do not sleep on the skincare regimen. Okay. I don't. I know. I actually used to work at Sephora as a skincare specialist and I like received all this training in cosmetics and aesthetics and or estheticians from estheticians, I should say. And uh, I'll never forget it. This uh, representative from Fresh, the Fresh Beauty brand, she said in a very typical Long Island accent, which is always more funny. And she was like, listen, the skin is the most important organ you have. So what you got to do is get a device that brightens, lightens, and tightens. I call it my BLT. (laughs) 
I know. And I and ever since then, I was like, if it doesn't brighten, lighten, and tighten, I don't want it. Colin, since you grew up in Long Island, have you ever run into the Long Island Medium at a bagel store? No, but here's a crazy story. If I did, I think there would be like a rip in the time-space conversion. It would be too much. She's a Gemini too. She's like, so Gemini, she can't just talk to the living. She has to talk to the dead too. It's like, I got to <laughs> talk to every, everybody. <laughs> um, no, so I did not meet her, Teresa, but I did meet her son at the 2012 Victoria's Secret Fashion Show where I used to work. I wonder if I was there because I didn't go to the fashion show, but I, my friend was staying in the fancy maritime hotel where the after party was, but I don't remember what year it was. And so uh, I'm like, I'm literally just trying to have a casual hangout with my friend who's in town on Google money, staying in a nice Google place. Um, and I'm just hanging out with my friend and then there's all these fucking models and like obnoxious stuff happening around and there's no parking and I'm like, what's, what's going on? And right. then it was on Snapchat, this was back in the Snapchat days. I yep. <laughs> the Snapchat days. Like we're we gotta go to archival history here. <laughs> 20 plus years. Go ahead. You remember MySpace, right? Like it just kind of marks how we interact with our friends. Right now, I feel like I'm in a very Instagram period of my life and yeah. where I'm hanging out. <laughs> I love it. No, it's true. I want to now I want to frame my connection stages by the social media that I'm using. I never use Snapchat. I'm like so cat moon crotchety that like I can basically only do like two. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, that's where I met her son was at the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. It was wild, that's it. That's great. Um, okay, so Colin, you have a master's in fashion from Parsons. I do, in fashion studies, not fashion design or fashion construction, but it's an MA in fashion studies, not an MFA in fashion design, but yes. But what do you learn in an MA in fashion studies? Is this about aesthetic and style? Aesthetic, style, history, culture, economy, the racism that's so prevalent in, in the American fashion industrial complex, politics, it was, it was amazing. It was absolutely, you know, academia is going through a, a very necessary review and renovation right now, like way to go Pluto and Sagittarius generation. Um, but I can honestly say that going to that school even though it was an extraordinarily enormous privilege and financial burden, uh, was the best decision I ever made in my whole life. Ah, oh, that's great. Yeah, I love Especially, that. I mean, ironically, since like, that's not really what you're doing. Well, the irony, right? Because here's the thing. It was my very first class in the program where a Scorpio professor from the Netherlands, and you know how the Dutch are, they're very direct. They make New Yorkers look like I, I, I don't even know, like Southern Americans, because like they're very like indirect and blah, 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 right? No, the Dutch, this motherfucker was like, I always hear you forecasting Pisces moon this and Pisces moon that. You should just do an astrology magazine for fashion and call it a day. And I did. And then I met the my soon my accidental mentor and hero and one of my best friends, names Ophie Duke, one half of the Astro Twins. And then I started working as a professional astrologer and he actually framed it in so far as fashion and astrology both forecast. So why couldn't you blend them? <laughs> I know. And, and, and like hands up like that, this is, and this is why it was the best school I ever went to because, because I was trained in a qualitative research methodology and I was studying something that it has often been considered on the fringe, like what high-minded academic studies fashion, isn't that, you know, very feminine and frizzle, frivolous, right? And then so, because I have the, the educational training to just then interrogate a bunch of different pop cultural themes and all of that, I've never really cared what anybody thinks about what I do or what I study or whether it's too much or not enough or who am I impressing and where did I get my certification? I don't care. You're saving yourself so much time. Like you've just chopped a decade of work off of your life to just not care about that stuff. Like I don't care, right? Because first of all, it's like, let's get, like I'm not, you know, trying to get puff up grandiosity. I was the commencement speaker. It's like, I'm not, I'm not done. I know what I need to do. I know how much work I need to involve in myself in. I clearly am not trying to impress or, you know, make sure that I present myself in a high-minded academic way. I could take myself less seriously, but take certain conversations seriously. And I learned that all at Parsons School of Design. Wow, that's brilliant. I love that. And, and I have to say, I just reflect, because I double majored in poli-sci, started 
as a I started as an engineering major in college. Oh my God, Capricorn Sun. I did not want to go to that college. I thought if I applied as an engineer, um, I wouldn't get in, and I got in. Uh, I was like, my mom wanted me to go, but then when I visited after I got in, I had that God. And I didn't even know. I was not spiritual at all, and I did not know what this was. But I know now. Yeah. My spirit knew I was supposed to be there. And so I was like, oh, I, I like it here. I know I need to be here. So I went to Davis and then changed my major to poli sci. Um, and then I ended up, and that was just like kind of to get people off my back and tell people yeah. there. But I really wanted a major in women and gender studies. So then when I declared mm -hmm. that a double major, because UC Davis on the quarter system, you can be like a little hungry, hungry hippo for info because you've got three quarters every year to learn stuff. Oh, that's cool. Right, so you can take a lot of classes. It's very easy to double major. Um, and then I, I had a minor in film because I was really obsessed with cultural representations of gender, race, and all of our differences, like the way that perpetuates those systems, right? Mm -hmm. um, and women and gender studies taught me how to identify the systems and not allow them in, um, mm -hmm. which I think helped to give me the platform to become a body liberation activist, which is really how I spent my life. Um, Right, like, and it was so interesting, like how this one degree that I thought was just a throwaway degree, it wasn't going to matter, is the only degree that I really still use. <laughs> and right, and like one could say the same thing about like Colin, you don't work in a fashion industry, and you spent God only knows how much to make sure you completed that. Right, I know, and like I couldn't agree more. Like my Aries friend, she said beautifully. I don't know if everybody connects to this, but just before I started my first day, I was like, oh my God, this is such an expensive program. Oh my God, am I wasting all this money? What am I doing? Right. And she goes, Kyle, short for Colin. I don't think anybody wakes up and goes, gee, I really regret getting a higher education. And I was like, you know what? I don't think you're wrong. Right. And so I'm so glad I listened to her because like same with you, it took us to some path. It might not have landed us in the, in the exact results or outcome, but I also don't feel like you and I have been people who were doing it so that we could wind up in the exact place that the degree takes us to. Like, no was <laughs> oh, right, because, of a, because of law right there you go yeah because i was too afraid to admit that i didn't know what i was doing and i was too afraid to dive into the abyss of the unknown um but law school got me to move across the country um it got me to meet i fell in with the right group of people i was like a law student nightlifing as a drag king <laughs> so like it was this, and it was a weird, very uncomfortable duality for many years where like my law and lawyer self was at odds with like my true artist, activist, healer self. And yeah, yeah. it was, it was really uncomfortable. And I'm just like curious for you, like, how do you, so you dove into self-employment basically as an astrologer during your degree? Oh, no. So what happened was is, well, and also I just want to join with you on that tension that I think I'm sure we still feel to this day and that many people listening still feel of like being a grounded seeker, but trying to look for things outside of us that are high-minded and esoteric and strange, right? So when I graduated Parsons, I did not receive gainful employment right away. So I actually started working as a waiter first on Fifth Avenue. And then I got hired by one of the people that I was waiting on, which was super cool, a Sagittarius boy. And he owned a materiality and textile company. So he took me on for a few months. And then unfortunately, the department that I was working at was moved abroad. And so he was like, I'm so sorry, I have to let you go. So sorry, right? So that was that was my mother's birthday, which was a really interesting because I am an astrologer because she spoke about it in the house. So I was fired on her birthday. And then uh, two weeks prior, though, that's when I started my astrology website. And I just thought it was going to be a hobby, Bevan. I just thought it was going to be like a, wouldn't it be nice if I just write about this? Okay. And then two weeks later, I was fired and all hell broke loose in the best way. Wow. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how like a crisis becomes an opportunity? Well, when is it? Well, the original definition is exactly that, wasn't it? It's like a thinly veiled opportunity is crisis. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I think every crisis is. I mean, look at, we could even say COVID is such an example too. The Sonia Renee Taylor quote that I love is that normal never was. And so now we've given the opportunity to stitch a new garment. Yes. Let's interrogate the idea of normal anyway. Like normal is just a way to conform us. Um, hanging <laughs> as like a, a, like a ransom, holding your belonging ransom in order for you to attain this idea of normalcy, right? And normal doesn't exist. If you look at humans, human diversity, 
is just a mandate. If we are all different, like you're a twin, you like grow up knowing like same birthday, but totally different person, right? Like, and identical twins, I think feel this too. Like it's a constant trying to figure out how to differentiate yourself from everybody else. But we're raised with this like, Oh my God. That you have to be normal in order to be accepted or worthy. And then it makes everyone at odds with that. And everyone's striving for this idea that's not them. And you have like a whole society of people who are outside of their true self. And that's a crisis. Period. Full stop. I just, hold on. I need my listeners. My listeners. <laughs> the listeners. I'm sorry. Okay. We need to have a moment. No, that's you normal holds your belonging ransom who do you think you are <laughs> you just don't fighting it my whole life and like finally wow. just don't give a fuck that i'm not like anyone else like i the more i it's so funny because like the way i really kind of started tearing away from that belonging was finding different belong or, or tearing away from that idea of normal was finding belonging with like queer fat femme other, other queer fat fans and like recognizing that was me and recognizing that it was good and okay for me to be who I was but then and, and I found so much peace and healing in that but that identity period of my life was really a lot about um a healing process of like healing those parts of me that needed to be nourished and acknowledged and honored but then I kept adding more things to it like um I got really into cannabis as a healing practice um I like got really into Jesus and spirituality and like astrology and all of these other things that have kind of expanded who I am. And I, as I get weirder and weirder and more different, even from the, the misfits who took me in, right. Um, the more different I get, the more I realize this is just who I am and everybody gets to have this. Oh. No. And you know what you're making me thinking about you're, you're making me think about the full moon that we're about to have on cancer in cancer on December 28th. And how Brene Brown says that the paradox of meaningful belonging is such where if you're normal and trying to assess and acclimate and people please and fit in, you don't belong to anyone because you don't belong to yourself because you're abandoning yourself in order to have connection with others. Yes. And so what you're saying is that the paradox of meaningful belonging requires you to release the straight jacket of normal and kind of let your freak flag fly. And from that place of I belong to myself, other people will want to belong with you. Because people can sense if you're totally not there yet, because, you know, we're all in our process. But I really love what you're saying is that belonging is a paradox and we have to wrestle with that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of the most powerful quotes I heard from Mylique Teal, oh, bless her, she's so amazing. Um, she said, you belong in every room you walk into. And I say it all the time now. Yes, yes. And you know what? I can workshop this with you because... I believe that that theory needs to be applied to astrology in a lot of ways because there's a sensibility with belonging in terms of planets belong to certain signs and signs belong to certain planets and whatever. And I'm so not about that because then it predicates certain level of deficit-based assessment when a zodiac sign is being transited by a planet that it doesn't belong in. And it makes a lot of people feel like they're not good enough. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I got into big, you want to talk about belonging and like, don't be normal. I got into big trouble on the astrology Twitter sphere because I basically call that entire school of astrological thought, which is ancient and has been around for thousands of years and has a lot of celebrated successful astrologists in the field. I called the entire fucking community bullshit. And everyone was really mad. But you know what? I totally disagree with my approach. I wish I could have done it differently. But that initial question around, girl, what are we saying? What do you mean? You know where the planets belong? Do they talk to you? Like, come on. Do you know how crazy we already sound? We're talking about stars. And like, you're, come on. Like, what are we doing? And like, are you sure that that's true? So all this to say, I love that. I believe that we belong everywhere, every room we're in. And I believe that every zodiac sign is contingent upon belonging with every planet as well. So... You know, what's interesting is like, I think maybe the word comfortable can be applied like Saturn's very comfortable in Capricorn because we've got form and we've got like that mountain goat always looking for that. that yes. And oh, that's what you said about um, Saturn being form and Jupiter being faith and faith and form like lining up. Um, 
that's been, I, I've been on a very spiritual journey. I mean, my whole life, but really in the last few years and especially in the last year during quarantine, like, um, and just really kind of understanding that struggle between I need a container, but I also need freedom. How do I like utilize and create a container so that I can feel as free as I know I want to? Well, and then I would actually sort of say, is that a question or just an is? Because it's like, I don't know how to get to freedom, but through routine and container and structure. Yeah. And I think it's the idea of like, what if, what if we don't see these as paradoxes that need to be solved, but just causation situations? Maybe. Right. Cause that's big Capricorn energy, right? Like you want to have freedom and you want to have that feeling. The Christmas clock just went off. Um, you want to have freedom and you want to have, you know, a certain level, the, the clock, as we're talking about Capricorn, you get, the, you see what I mean? That's Christmas, you are, wait, tell me what is a Christmas clock? Do you have like a clock that, wait, what okay. is you're like st stop the music okay literally stop the music well my mother has a christmas clock so when it goes off at like one o'clock it sings a new christmas song for like five seconds how did you get it Who I don't know. I'm, gonna say, I'm gonna get it for you because uh clearly you need one and you should have it in your fuck Ooh, can i curse on here yeah yeah duh come on um you should have it in your in your space but no so it sends uh christmas music off every hour and what was crazy is that the Greek iteration of Saturn, which is a planet that rules Capricorn, was Cronus, okay? So chronological. We were talking about Capricorn and the clock went off. Wow. I know, so that, that's like our Capricorn energy, like, hello, you two, right? Because you and I are both heavily influenced by the zodiac sign. But no, I think Capricorn energy recognizes and teaches, albeit uncomfortably, if you want freedom, you must learn how to anchor yourself. That's, I feel like that's my work right now. Okay. Um, Colin, you are an astrologer and you just finished your Saturn return. I did. Oh God. Thank you. Tell me what you learned. Oh, Jesus. I, I, I learned <laughs> that these principles work, you know, these principles of, do I want to walk with love or do I want to walk with fear? the notion of this is my astrological nature and nature supports nature. And if I allow the nature to make manifest in my lived experience, I will be protected and challenged and supported, but more than likely protected. Uh, I also learned that the content of the work is not as important as the form, right? Back to the, the, the numbers game and the, the metric system, right? I don't look at the numbers in the form. And that, like when you were saying, you know, you might've reached traction, I have no clue about that because I'm just focused on whether or not I'm, you know, playing the instrument. I don't know how it sounds, but I'm just like, how's my technique, you know? Very Saturn. Uh, and then also I would say that, yeah, it really does come down to how Saturn as a planetary influence, I believe, wants each and every one of us to be as successful as we want to be as well. It does not want us to cut corners. It does not want it to be an overnight success. It doesn't want us to go viral because there's something to be said about somebody inhabiting success, which is essentially a spontaneous enlightenment experience and not having the personality structure to hold that much energy at once. And so Saturn was like, all right, so let's work on your responsibility, your integrity, your discipline, your follow through, your commitment, your structure, because I want you to have the foundation to hold all the things that you want but if that's not there, yeah, you might get it. And guess what? You'll self-sabotage, show your ass too quickly and good luck recovering from that. So that's what I learned from Saturn is like, you know, I want you to be successful, but I'm not going to make you a TikTok viral sensation like Jupiter, right? I'm not going to make you easy come, easy go like the sun. I want you to have Capricorn stature like Michelle Obama, Muhammad Ali, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I want you to be an icon, not an instant sensation. Yeah, Capricorn just came right through me. I, so you asked, right? Here we go. So that's that's what I learned. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, has there been like any sort of personal thing that you worked through that like you were like, oh my god, this is Saturn return? Like, yes, I think for it was in my fifth house of self disclosure and creativity and all of that. So like, <laughs> I don't necessarily leave in certain Saturn returns being like worse or, or better, uh, but it was funny because my astrologer was like, yeah, yours is in the fifth house of joy. Like you just have to work to have fun, okay? <laughs> right? 
<laughs> like you need to not be such a workhorse, okay? But no, I would say that the primary lesson was around owning who I want to be, naming what I want, pursuing what I want, and really engaging. Because I don't know of a more vulnerable act of self-disclosure than putting your horse in the race and saying, this is what I want. What do you think? For sure. Yeah. Dreaming is essential to the human spirit and it is one of the most dangerous things you will do second to romantic love, I think, and maybe even parental love. Okay, say more about that, Miss Capricorn, with your hands crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I think like, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, Mariah Carey, uh, Heartbreak (laughs) with Jay-Z. When are we dancing to that (laughs) right now? I think we should do, I want to have a talking podcast with you, but I think we could actually do a little dance Instagram thing. Without Um, a doubt. Yeah. Go ahead. Thinking about um, Mariah Carey's Heartbreaker, and I was like, everybody you date is a heartbreaker because whether or not you end it, they end it, or they die, because like that's kind of what's going to happen, right? there's a heartbreak in that um and also like there's a million little heartbreaks too especially if you are socialized in our society you come with expectations so a lot of i think what i've realized heartbreak the experience of heartbreak is it's just broken expectations um and i think some a big clarity i had about parenting over this quarantine is because uh, i still want to be a parent i'm just going to be a later in life parent than most folks um, but like parenting is really the best, the highest work I think is to allow your kids to be your teacher and to you teach them what you've learned so they can get on your shoulders. Um, I say this because I, I don't think my mom listens to my podcast, but she said to me uh, a couple months ago that she learned from my grandmother um, how to not be intimidated by everyone. And I was like, or by anyone, like she's not intimidated by anyone. My mom is a, a beast, Sagittarius, Moon, Leo rising, like she's all. Oh. But then she's a cancer son, so she's very sensitive. Right. Um, but it comes off, uh, her sensitivity comes off nasty to other people because of all that fire in the way. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and, but when she told me that, I think it was just like within the last couple of years where I ceased being intimidated by anyone. And that was huge work I had to do on myself and with myself. And I'm like, I just felt so sad that my mom didn't teach me how to not be intimidated by people. I was like, she learned that from her mom, but she didn't make sure I learned that. And that was like interesting. Cause like, as I approach parenting, I think parenting is about letting it's being the best parent for that kid. Each yeah. specific Dolly Parton talks about this a lot, like how her mom had 12 kids. Another Capricorn. Go ahead. Capricorn, Capricorn boss, babe. Okay. Um, <laughs> but like each kid got a different version of that mom because she knew each child needed to be loved and honored very specifically. And Dolly Parton is such an unusual character, but having a mom who like was able to acknowledge and honor that weirdness and let her be weird and flourish, gave her the wings to literally, I mean, she stood up at her high school graduation when everyone was saying what they were doing after they graduated. She was like, I'm moving to Nashville and I'm becoming a star. And that's exactly what she fucking did. Vulnerability. And, right. And you know what? Mom helping, which I love. That was so beautiful. And I'm going to go give my mom a hug after this because now that you mentioned that, she did that for me too. Yeah. She really did. And like, I absolutely love that Capricorn energy of like, here's what I'm going to do. Right. And you know, I think that's really vulnerable for a lot of folks. You're, and I also think like to make this as sociocultural as possible, which you'll totally appreciate given your double major, is that for women and femmes, to own your desire meant death. You know, in classical literature, I'm thinking of Dracula as such an example. When a woman owned her passion and her desire, the author had to kill her to contain the woman's passion. Yes. Right? So that's the only way that it could have been contained is if she was murdered. Yeah. For queer folks, and obviously this can be intersectionally applied as well, I believe that there hasn't been enough research or questions asked around how we locate danger and desire. Mm-hmm. Because the minute we started naming, oh, this is what I want, this is what I like, all these fundamental attributions started to happen, right? And so I think really the, the owning and the expression of desire for people who are not straight whites or gender males is extremely complicated. And I don't know of a greater 
access point to become the people we're capable of than to do the work to dis dismantle desire and danger or desire and death. You know, something that has really come through for me, and this is like part of my, my quarantine learning too, is just like the, the, the vulnerability gets easier when you take expectations out of the equation. Right? Like if you're just owning your truth, right? Like my truth is that my dream is to be a parent, right? Like my truth is that my dream is to find the love of my life and have an amazing, fun partnership that's like awesome, right? Like my, my dream is to have a big house and a private plane, right? Like those are things that are like really scary to name because if they don't come true, it feels like it's heartbreaking. But like if I take the expectation that has to come true in order for me to be happy, and I just take that out and just trust and love that vulnerable desire, knowing these things can change because my desires have changed over my life, right? Um, it's it's interesting. I don't know, like it's like, it's there's something to like how expectations are kind of like the toxic, uh, the toxic sauce that we put over things that breaks our own heart again and again. Yes, and I don't know if this is an insight into what you're sharing, but it's making me think of because of how beautifully you said it, that when it comes to desire, I, about expectation, yeah, I think that what I want to remember is where we set ourselves up for heartbreak is when we tell the universe, this is what I want and how you can serve me. Mm -hmm. I believe a different orientation is where you ask the universe, what do you want and how might I serve you? Yeah. And then the universe's desires for us are expressed through our life. Mm -hmm. And on my best, most brilliant day, which I don't have a ton, but on my best, most brilliant day, I still couldn't think about all the ways in which the universe can dream through me magnificently. Mm. So I'm, we could allow the same energy source that keeps planets revolving around the sun, acorns into oak trees, this cosmically ordered universe, dream through us. Or we can have expectations and tell the universe what to do and then let me know how that works out for you. Right. But that's not to say we can't be specific and own certain things. Like I really wanted this specific car and I got it. Right. And I was really thrilled about that. And it was a dream come true. Like, I think there's a place for both. Don't get me wrong. But I think in our crowd, so much space is taken up by this is what I want to manifest. This is what I want the form to look like. Not enough of universe. What do you want and how might I serve you? Because this overemphasis of the self and the rugged individualist and all of that it's just like girl it's so done you know what i mean so anyway don't get me started age of aquarius now we are Hello. i will say too like i think there's a true beauty in allowing the universe to dream through us yes which but i do think it's like our like if i search into my deepest desires i like feel like it comes through me because there are certain things i desire that i would not have picked my ego self would not have picked that thing. You know what I mean? I also like, I'll say like, it would be an easier life if I didn't want kids, right? And I didn't even really want kids, want, want them like, like I do now until it was like when my ex and I started having trouble. That's when the switch turned and I was like, oh, I want to have kids. Like actually really do want to have kids, not just ambivalently maybe with this person, but like really want them. And it was like, as soon as the fabric of that life was ripping away, it was like this desire like amplified. And I think, I don't know, I think there's something to like being the observer of yourself and being willing to recognize when the clouds of your desires are shifting, um, right. something more true is coming through. Yes, and I also think that in the, in when we are confronted with loss and anticipation and longing, that sometimes can maximize the most high-minded desires that we have and things that come from spirit and things that come from that source. And then I also think it lets us know really quickly what was coming from appetite and adrenaline the whole time. Ooh, 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 appetite and adrenaline. Ooh, right. And we all got plenty of that, right? So <laughs> that's why it's it's important to discern, <laughs> right? Like where is where is this desire coming from? Is this coming from appetite and adrenaline? Or is this coming from a a, a desire that is being dreamed through me through the central intelligence of the universe? Yes. Okay, Colin, let's talk about your big dream that's kind of coming to fruition. You're moving to LA. Yes. Tell me how that seed started to sprout in you and you started to recognize that and then how you took that leap 
Oof, yes, yes, yes. So thank you for asking. I definitely love the city of Los Angeles, even though, you know, I'm a born and bred, buttered New Yorker, you know, so there's this in, instructive sort of expectation of like, don't even think about leaving ever, you know? <laughs> and here I am leaving. Um, but no, I've gone to LA several times before and I didn't, it didn't feel like, oh, this is the place that I could live. And then back in 2018, I had to go to work with a friend in a project that she was doing and I just started to notice that things would generate. And I just felt like as soon as I landed, I literally, I kid you not, Bevan, I was at the airport when a work opportunity was offered to me. I mean, it was just like, whoa, I haven't even got my bag yet. And there was a lot of those experiences of just right time, right place, let's meet over here and, and let's build a community of folks. And so, and I just, I just trust my feelings about it. I was like, wow, I really could learn to love it here. And that was beautiful to bear witness to. And I, I do believe that the West Coast tends to have a, a, a half a step ahead in matters of metaphysical, esoteric, and higher consciousness considerations. And I'm going to give it that credit. Absolutely, it does, right? And so if this is what I do, clearly that would be a wonderful place to do it. And then astrologically speaking, uh, the planet Jupiter, which rules faith, was in Capricorn, which is my moon sign. So Jupiter would thereby make three conjunctions, meaning aspect my moon sign exactly this year. And on the second conjunction, I was in Los Angeles. I was with a friend of mine who lived there as well, also from Long Island. And when I felt her as home in Los Angeles, all of a sudden this extraordinary emotion just kept coming over me. And I was like, I'm going to move here. And it literally was a whisper. And then I told her for the first time out loud, I started to get really emotional and cry because I could not believe these words were coming out of my mouth because I never saw it coming. And then when I came back to the East Coast, my mother said, yeah, I knew. And I told all the family, don't make you feel guilty or anything like that. We, are, we all had a feeling that's where you belong. She's a cancer. So just totally plugged into some next level. And that's, that's how it went. You know, unfortunately, I'm going to have to postpone my move there just because right now the city is in a huge, uh, just COVID. Oh, LA, at the, when the ICU beds are 0% capacities. Right. Like that's probably not the best time. And so I'm going to postpone a little bit, but like, you know, I just made up January in my head, you know, I don't have to do that. So I'll, I'll move hopefully when uh, the vaccine rollout starts to emerge a little bit more prevalently, when you know they're not at a stay at home order, when I can go and see apartments, not through virtual spaces only, but it really was an entire leap of faith, Bev, and there's no doubt about it. So anybody listening who sort of feels that call, I say, just fucking do it. I mean, isn't that how all the great stories begin? And that's how the, the Shiro's journey starts. So yeah. I think it's like uh, one of my favorite things that Michael Bernard Beckwith says is that pain pushes until vision folds. Oh, say that again. Pain pushes until vision folds. Ooh. It's so many. I mean, I'm, I have a Saturn on the Ascendant in Virgo. Um, okay. so 12th house on the Ascendant, which like I've been told that's a rough placement um, and it a rough placement, right? Are there any rough placements? Right. But like, when Saturn rolls in and it's 12th house, like that's endings, right? Like that's, and, and on the ascendant can feel like everything falls apart in a moment. And starting to realize just with the benefit of hindsight, honestly, this is just wisdom, but like I'm just starting to realize when things fall apart, they're really coming together. So even as painful as the process of like, for me, it was releasing LA. I was like, in my ego self, I was like, surely I didn't just move to LA to be someone's housewife. Um, and, but like, it was truly, it was the divorce that made me leave. Like it, it, all the causation happened, but it was like, it was almost, it was just like releasing me to really be in this leap of faith, following my dreams, doing, giving all of my heart and time to fact dance parties so that I can make it a thing and moving somewhere where I could have the support of my mom and her partner and like, uh, live somewhere where my rent is 400 bucks a month. And like, I can just throw myself into doing the work that's on my heart. Absolutely. And it required a tremendous leap of faith. And I think that's where we're all at right now. And I think the world is so hungry for faith. I think the world is so hungry for hope. And I think for folks like you and I and people who are watching who have faith even in chaos and who can be that miracle worker and stand for the alternative possibility, I think we need to really be the most articulate, critically thinking, uh, communicative voices in every room that we find ourselves in. Uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. 
always a challenge, but that's what metaphysical, what does what metaphysical metaphysicality teaches us is, you know, it, when we're thinking about Christianity, right? Jesus was suffering on the cross before he was resurrected. The Jews were lost in the pyramid, uh, in the pyramids, in the desert for 40 years before they found the promised land, right? Buddha was questioning about temptations before he reached enlightenment. So we're just at that moment of that transformational phase. And so we as metaphysicians have to say like, this is the 11th hour, but it's not midnight yet. So what are we doing to have that faith ex experience? Because this, this is the way it works. So don't lose sight, keep your eyes on the ball, stay real focused, stay real mindful, and your resurrection, your deliverance, your enlightenment will be on the other side of this. Ugh, I can't wait to push that fucking boulder aside and resurrect. <laughs> <laughs> what is, can I ask like what is it with effing Capricorns and Jesus like Capricorns love talking about Jesus and I'm like I don't even believe he was born on December 25th so like don't get it twisted like I don't either actually on my birthday I know I was born on December 24th we do not know when Jesus was born I actually I kind of don't buy Jesus as a Capricorn I really think no. is like if we were to Jesus is clearly a Leo rising, someone who is in the public eye, but doesn't necessarily crave it, um, right? Like who accepts it as like perhaps their work. I would say that perhaps even Jesus's Mars sign is in Leo because it's like very front and center, right? <laughs> like, Wait, no, like, do you understand that bewildered lesbians in the forest and Jesus was a Leo rising is going to crack me up in my pillow tonight? <laughs> I don't know why. That is so funny, but it's gonna, I'm going to just be ra randomly laughing tonight about Jesus was a Leo rising. I don't know why that's so funny to me, but... <laughs> it's, it's, it's a theory, I don't know. But like, and, and that's the thing, the... <laughs> Cool thing about too, and if you think about it too, like where's Virgo in Jesus's chart? Because Virgo is the servant, like that's servant leadership, uh, and he well, has that servant heart. Apparently, his chart is on astrolab.com. So I don't know. <laughs> Did they call up Mary? Hey, Mary, do you remember what time he was born? Wait, Mary, wait, what time was Jesus born? <laughs> oh, hold on a minute. Yeah, hon, I know. I I swear it's like that needs to be a reel that I have to make tonight. Thank you. I'm glad to inspire your art. Oh my, oh god. my god. Yeah, Mary, listen, uh, Jesus, when was that? When was he delivered? <laughs> like, who asked that? Oh, that is so funny. But And Mary's chart is on astrolab.com. So I don't know how we find out her time of birth. <laughs> my grandmother tragically didn't even know her time of birth. She was like born on a farm, like third, fourth child. Like, right. They, when she was born they were like oh another kid um well, how do we know mary's i don't like i don't i don't know but we're gonna run with it it cracks me up <laughs> go ahead sorry no, I love it. Um, okay so colin i want to make sure before we end this we tell people how to find you how to track you are you like santa on the north pole can people go on the GPS <laughs> and know where you are if only I had a tracker. Oh my gosh. It would just be moving all the time because I'm a Gemini sun. Uh, yes. Yeah, so you can find me at queercosmos.com at queercosmos. And uh, I, I have some mini readings that I'm about to open up uh, when the new year begins again. Um, and so I'd love to do those with folks. My one-on-ones, um, good, bad problem, but I, they got booked out until June. And so... Congratulations, my self-employed friend. Oh, that, must be, that what a relief! What a relief it must feel to be booked out until June. <laughs> it, it does. You know, it's it feels like a relief, but then my Capricorn Moon Bevan goes into overdrive and is like, "You need to open up more slots. You need to be available to more people. What are you doing?" I know, I know, and I'm just boundaries. Yeah, and I I think what I really need over the next three weeks is extraordinarily meaningful Saturn return integration period. Just rest rest yes <laughs> yeah you're like you mean uh recharge you can miss me with this fucking language you just need to rest bitch <laughs> wait it was for me i've been uh, honest ever since the november 15th eclipse i've gotten this strong urge to rest and it's just it's like the constant urging of the universe and i'm like you know what i don't want to get sick so i'm just gonna listen yeah I'm going to do this thing called listen for once in my life. Okay. <laughs> Wait, Bevan, I have a question for you. I don't want to like keep you, but because your birthday is tomorrow, 
I would really love for you to share what do you wish the astrological community got right about Capricorn? What do you wish that more people understood about this extraordinarily powerful archetype? You know what? I'm going to turn this right back to you and just say, uh, you taught me something about Capricorn yesterday that like blew my mind open, which is just that Capricorn is emotional mastery. It's totally. not, it's not about denying your emotions, which is a very strong Capricorn trap. A lot of Capricorns are boring and terrible because they deny their emotions. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm interesting and fascinating and wonderful Capricorn because of the mix and blend of my birth chart. Like, and I'm sure like Dolly Parton also has a blended birth chart, even though we don't know when she was born because she was, you know, also born without clocks or whatever. Um, before they kept track of that stuff, right? Like we'll never really know Dolly's rising. How sad is that? Horrible, um, but we know Jesus is. Tell me how that makes sense. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but we get to make up Jesus's. I'm gonna actually reach out to one of my mediums and see if we can figure this out. Kevin, I will fall over my chair and crack the fuck up if you find out Jesus is the type of birth, okay? <laughs> Um, but I will also say I'm so grateful to have been raised um, adjacent to this magnificent woman, Anise Irwin Kinnery, who was my grandmother, and she was a Capricorn, and we are from a long line of Capricorn women. Um, wow. I mean, a lot of people who believe that criticism was love, I oh, learned that. <laughs> Oh yeah, you mean it isn't? Oh, I got a, I got some fucking talking to do when I go downstairs and talk to my family now. Go ahead. Exactly, because the Capricorn wants things to be great and they want things to be their best. And the the problem with the mountain goat is you're constantly climbing up, right? So you're looking at the mountain ahead. The true like thing that Capricorns need to know, and this is me just talking to other Capricorns, is to turn around and look at how far you've come. Just yeah, have those rest and integration moments where you're just chilling and recognizing and acknowledging all the work it took to get where you are, knowing there's always another fucking mountain to climb. Where the view, baby. There were so many points in my life where I realized, oh my God, I have another mountain to climb in the area of self-love. No, <laughs> like, no. I used to think it was like, oh, I love my body. Now that's done. But then I realized my thought life was toxic and abusive. And that wasn't, it wasn't a, how I deserve to live. And so... Right, and there goes Bevan climbing the fucking self-talk mountain. You know what? Leave it to a Virgo. Her name is Holly Murchison. She has this extraordinary form called Tell Me About Yourself. She's a native New Yorker. Love her. Pisces moon Virgo rising. Love her, love her, love her. She told me that the language, the word for how we talk to ourselves is intrapersonal. I never knew that. Oh, I like that. Like we're having an interpersonal dialogue. If you or I were talking to ourselves, it would be intrapersonal. Right, we love we love that Virgo semanticsness, but no, truly, Capricorn energy, as I understand it, is really just a sign of emotional management, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with I think Capricorn energy delivering the realization to folks is you know that you have the space between the stressor and behavior, and what are you doing to make sure that you are maximizing the upsides of emotional pleasantness and doing everything that you can to regulate emotional discomfort responsibly. Ooh, regulate right. emotional discomfort responsibly. What a Capricorn theme. I know, I know, I know. Like, I want to throw up because I swear to God, like that energy just flows out of me. Like it's too much. It's way too much. But that, and and most of my life, Bevan, like that was absolutely, I was approaching that very harshly and Capricorn, get the fuck over it, you know? And now I'm just kind of like, okay, I am feeling this with you. And what are we going to do about it in the space of what's happening? And how are we making sure that we're not emotionally self-indulgent and emotionally responsible and have emotional sobriety and emotional impulse control? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm reading, the book I'm reading right now is called Pleasure Activism. Uh, by Adrienne Marie Brown. Hello. <laughs> Iconic. Go ahead. Have you read it yet? I'm on chapter three because she just delivers a little too much for me. I have to like take a fucking minute. I have to take a minute. And I love that she's interviewing other people. Like it's, it feels like a conversation with her and her fucking best friends. It also, it. She has this command that before you enter reading it, that you masturbate. So I, um, I like, I'm like, oh, I can't read it. Cause I'm not going to like, I'm about to do the dishes. I'm like, I'm not going to go masturbate. So I'm not going to listen to this book right now. Right. No, I can't. And like, I kind of want to be like Adrian girl. Like after I do that, I go right to bed. So like, 
can I maybe have a cookie? Can I have pleasure in a different way? But <laughs> she's uh, she's a Scorpio moon as well. Ah, oh. moon twins. What a what a genius. Also, um, so is Beyonce. Yes, I'm trying. Yes, you, Adrian Marie Brown. You know the the astrologer that I mentioned, Ophelia Du. She's a Capricorn rising too. She's a Scorpio moon, and. I always tell people that like, she's really the first one to show up at a birthday party for me. And then incidentally, she actually had to plan a funeral for one of my best friends who passed away. And that's, that's Scorpio moon loyalty. It's like, I'm here with you through it all. It was it the woman who inspired the pleasure activism book. Uh, the what the friend who passed oh, away. Or? Friend who passed away is not Adrian Marie Brown's friend. No. Sorry, no, I got but that's funny. Yeah, connections. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. I was like, wait a minute. Are they the same person? No, but she's a Scorpio moon too. And she is literally with me through it all. Like, I'm just, so, I'm so blessed to have her friendship. So blessed to have her. A Scorpio moon will love you truly to the moon and back, to the depths of who you are, good or bad, shadow or light. Right. And they're just sitting with it and like, well, okay, that's, we're going to sit in this discomfort and everything's going to be okay when we want it to be. I know. I love my Scorpio. You and I have complicated moon signs. That's why like, we're like sticking together because ours are in detriment or in fall or whatever they fucking say it is. I don't know. But. Um, Colin, I adore you. Will you come on the podcast again? Uh, that's absolutely. Are you kidding? Done and done. And I'm thinking you need to go on my Instagram live and we need to do a dance party to Heartbreaker. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. My God. Okay. I'm going to close out the podcast. Yes. Bye, everybody. Bye.